Called Haunted House. Somebody play play the track. Somebody play the thing. Because y'all need a little bit more uh, enthusiasm. Yeah, there we go. Y'all know this song. Don't act like you don't know it. Come on. Oh, y'all acting like y'all don't know it. All right. So Haunted House is our brand new series. And last week we went with the fear of God. This series is going to help us to consider the ineffectiveness of fear. That's what we're after here in this series. When we live in fear, we can become a church that is like a haunted house. Thank you, sir. When we when we, when, we, when, we, when we live in fear, we become a church that is like a haunted house. We become stuck inside with the shutters drawn. We're haunted by fear of everything that jumps around every corner. They say, don't you know that it's violent in the city of Wilmington? <laughs> don't you know that there's killers there? Don't you know that there's drug dealers standing on the corner? They're not even on every corner. They're like on a couple corners. <laughs> like, stop playing. <laughs> but, but fear makes the church an inward-focused house rather than an outward-focused sanctuary. We become dim and dark and closed off. The, the opposite of what the church is supposed to be. So what we're declaring through this series is that we are not going to be in a haunted house that lives in fear and is trembling at every corner, but we will be a lighthouse to the community in which God has called us in. So this series is going to guide us through the purposes of the church. It's going to help us to overcome fear of the unknown. It's going to help us to overcome uh, the fear of pain in order to be effective followers of Christ here in this world. And so last week we, we titled it uh, The Fear of God, and this week I want to help us today by getting over our past fears. I want to help us get over our past fears. Join me in Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, if you have it uh, in your Bible. Uh, if not, we'll have it up here for you on the screen, but you can turn there. Uh, Exodus chapter 14, that's the Old Testament, the second book. Okay, the Old Testament, the second book. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, just let us know. Raise your hand. We'll have one of our hospitality members get you a Bible. All right. Exodus chapter 14. Hear these words. Oh, maybe I should turn to it in my Bible. That'd be helpful. There we go. Okay, Exodus chapter 14. It reads, But Moses, Moses said, to the people. Here's what he said. Don't be afraid. Somebody say afraid. afraid. Now say don't be afraid. afraid. Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm 
and see the Lord's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we know that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, Father, severing the marrow from the bone. And God, I pray that this word would get deep down into the marrow of our souls. And Father, when we hear this word, might we respond as your people by saying, Lord, help us to obey. God, it's in that same spirit that I pray that you would stand in my body and that you would think through my mind and speak through my mouth and let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength and my redeemer and who I'll place all my trust. And everybody said, one of my greatest joys in life, particularly on social media, is to watch arrogant people have their grammar corrected. It's like, I love it. It's one of my favorite things. I love to watch somebody go on a social media tirade about nothing because, you know, everybody has an opinion about nothing. And so I love to watch them go on a tirade on and on about nothing. And then they type the incorrect usage of the word your. It's one of my favorite things. See, the the social media trolls like me, they're waiting to pounce on that person. They're waiting to pounce on them with a simple response. Y'all know what the response is. Asterisk your. (laughs) It's a simple response, but it ends the argument swiftly. And see, these words that are spelled differently and and sound the same but have different meanings, those are known as homonyms. Certain homonyms are your versus your, like we talked about already. There's their versus their versus their. That one gets a lot of people tripped up. Then there's it's and it's. That gets people all tripped up as well. But here's a common one that Uh, here's one that's less common, but it gets people tripped up all the time. It is past versus past. See, if have you passed it or are you past it? And so the word for past is a verb. P-A-S-S-E-D is a verb meaning to move on. And the P-A-S-T is an adjective that describes an earlier time. So I want to submit to us today, uh, this is my main idea for you, is that you don't have to be afraid of your past, P-A-S-T, because you're past it. Come on, somebody. You don't need to be afraid of your past because you're past it. See, your past is not who you are anymore. See, Jesus has made you completely new in him, and now you have a new identity. So your past is now past. As a matter of fact, I'm going to change the title of my sermon today from past fear to past fear. Turn to your neighbor and say, I passed it. Turn to your other neighbor because that one on the the right side wasn't listening. Turn to the one on your left and say, I passed it. See, Exodus, he's laying out for us here uh, that if we are going to overcome fear, then we have to move past our fear. See, he says here in verse 13, but Moses said to the people, See, Moses, who name means drawn out 
or rescued. And if you know the story of Moses, his name means drawn out because he was drawn out of the water from a basket that his mothers had shipped him up the river. See, he, he had some challenges with his past. Regardless of your worst day, I can pretty much be sure and guarantee that your mother didn't place you in a basket as an infant and send you floating up a crocodile infested river with a hope that somebody might find you. Anybody had to happen to them? Anybody? No. Okay. See, Moses had a reason to be stuck up on his past. He had all the reasons to say, well, my mother sent me up the river. He had all the reasons to focus on the things that happened to him in his past. Yet here he is telling the people, do not be afraid. And he's telling them, do not be afraid. He's telling them, do not be terrified. See, Moses' words, they echo throughout the Pentateuch or the, 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 the first five uh, books of, of, the, of, the, of the law. He, he's telling them, he says in, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or afraid of them. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you and he will not leave you or abandon you. See, Moses learned that. He learned that from what? His past experiences. He learned that from from relying on what the Lord was able to do in his life through his past. And so he learned how to be strong and courageous in the midst of adversity. I got some help in here today. See, he tells them, he says, don't be terrified or afraid. In 31.8, he says, the Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. See, Moses understood that the Lord would go before him because he stood at a sea one day with a staff in his hand and he watched the Lord and the spirit of the Lord go before him and part the sea open to allow him and his people to go through on dry land. So here in this passage, he, he, these words uh, that he, he's speaking to them, he's telling them, do not be afraid. And Moses' words were so powerful that they were even passed down through the generations. Here in Joshua chapter 1, Joshua says, haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Anybody know where Joshua learned that from? Moses. He was a successor of Moses to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. And so the lessons that Moses had taught to the people of Israel and he had taught to his successor, Joshua, Joshua is now parroting those same words to the people of Israel as they're going into the land of Canaan. And so the same is true for us. We've got some brothers and sisters in the faith who've gone before us. See, that's why you got to get yourself in a community group so you could be around some some older believers in Jesus who have been where you're trying to get. See, us millennials, we oftentimes we think we got it all together and we think we got it figured out. Uh, but the reality is, is that we need some people who have been where we're trying to go. And we need to heed their words and to heed their lessons and to heed the things that they have to say to us because they can proclaim the faithfulness of God over their life because he has brought them through something that we have yet to go through. So Joshua here, he's, he's, he's proclaiming, he says, don't be afraid either. He's talking just like his successor. He's saying, listen, don't be afraid. 
Isaiah 42 and 9 says that the past events, though, they have indeed happened. And I know there are some things in your past that are really painful. There's some challenges in your life that are really hurtful. Some difficulties that it is hard for you to navigate and overcome. And those things have indeed happened, but Isaiah proclaims to them through the Lord. He says, now I declare new events to you. He said, I announce them to you before they even occur. And see, when you're in Christ, the old, like Martha was saying when she got up here, the mercies are new every single morning. See, your mercies are new every single morning, so you don't have to worry about your past. Yes, your past has happened, and you need to deal with that stuff, but you can move past your past in Christ Jesus. See, my wife and I, we we watch this show called, the name of the show is called The Midwife. Anybody ever seen that? Yeah, okay. Some people have seen it. The show, the lady, she was terrified to give birth to her new baby. She had already given birth one time before, and she had what was known as a, a forceps birth. And back then, this is this is this story is dated back in uh, in the sixties, early sixties, before that. She had a, a, a pregnancy where the doctor went and he took some forceps and they pulled the baby out. That was painful. It was terrifying. It was horrific for this woman. But now she's pregnant again and she's terrified of having a baby. And she, she was well into term and she said to the midwife, because the show was all about midwives and them helping women to have their babies and give birth. It's a really cool show. And so she says to her, to the Caribbean uh, uh, midwife, she says, I'm not going to have this baby no matter what. <laughs> That's what she said. And the midwife in her Caribbean voice, she said, dear, you're going to have this baby <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> so as she was entering into labor, she locked herself in the bathroom and she was screaming and writhing in pain. And her husband came to the door. He was trying to get her out of the bathroom. So he called the midwives to come and help. And when the midwives got there, they were showing her in the bathroom and she was standing with her legs crossed like this, as if that was going to stop the baby from coming. But she believed that she could stop the baby from coming forth. And the reason why she wanted to do that was because the pain that she had experienced prior was so great that she didn't want to give birth to this new baby because she thought that it was going to be just like the last time. Even though she was in a different circumstance and having the baby in her house, whereas before she was inside of a hospital having the baby, now she's in the comfort of her home and she is afraid to give birth to the baby. And that is just like us when we don't move past our fear of the past. See, we think we can stop what God has birthed in us. And what we don't realize is that the birthing process is always filled with pain. See, the birthing process is always filled with pain. And if God is going to birth something on the inside of you, if God is going to release something from you, guess what? You're going to have to go through some stuff. 
See, uh, the, the, the believers of old, they understood that if God will bring you to it, he will bring you through it. And see, we've got to understand that and know that the situations that come up in our life, the things that happened in our past were just that. They were our past. And God was using those things to bring us to the place where he has us now so that he can continue to work out his purposes for us in this life day by day as we go through challenges. See, we don't talk too much about suffering. In the church anymore. But the early church believed that the more that they suffered, the more blessings that they would receive from God. See, they understood that there was a crown waiting for them because they were going through some real persecution. And it was a joy for them to go through persecution in the name of Jesus. See, we go through stuff in the name of us because we didn't listen to anybody when they were trying to tell us to stop doing the crazy stuff that we were doing. And then we go through stuff in the name of us and we get trapped inside of that stuff and then we don't want to go through it as if we are the reason why we're going through the thing that we're actually going through. And so we say stuff like the last time I I went to my boss trying to get a raise, he ripped me a new one. Well, he did rip you a new one last time because you was showing up late to work. He was expecting a raise. He's like, if you show up to work on time, then we could talk about that. The last time you tried to get into a relationship, your heart got ripped out your chest. The last time you tried to accomplish a goal, the pain of failure was too great. And so what we do is, is we sit and we look and we, and we, we contemplate about the things of our past and we say that I can't move past this point in my life because I'm too afraid. And God is calling us to step out of fear. Moses is challenging us. He says, do not be afraid. Next idea is this. Is that if we're going to move past fear, if we're going to be, move past fear, is that we have to stand and see past our fear. We've got to stand and see past our fear. Verse 13, he says, do not be afraid, but stand firm and see the Lord's salvation. This word for stand here means to station yourself. It means to take one stand or to stand with something. If we are going to overcome the fear of our past, then guess what? We've got to stand firm. And you cannot allow the past to cause you to waver from what God is calling you to in the present. And see, the difficulty is, is that when when we walk into what God is calling us to, we oftentimes look back. And as we're looking back, it's difficult for you to walk in a straight line when you're looking behind you. See, it's not possible. When when you're constantly looking behind you, you never get to your destination. In fact, when you're looking behind you, you end up with bumps and bruises all over your body because you're not paying attention to where you're going. And so when you feel like you're being dinged and nicked all the time, I want to submit to you is that you've got to check out where you stand and where your focus lies. Are you constantly looking at your past? Or are you looking forward to what God is doing? See, he says you've got to stand firm and see 
the Lord's salvation. The word for see here, it means to behold something or to perceive it or to consider it. Figuratively, it can mean to advise yourself. See, this is good. If you're going to get past your past, you need to perceive things differently. See, if you're going to get past your past, you have to perceive things differently. See, oftentimes the difficulty is in not in uh, what happens to us, but it's in how we perceive what has happened to us. See, the people, the, 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 you ever watch people go through the exact same thing, identical, they go through identical stuff, and the one person leaves out, and they're joyous and happy, and the other person leaves out downtrodden and, 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 and mystified? Like, how does that happen? Because of their perception. <clears throat> Excuse me. Their perception has placed them in the position that they find themselves in. So if we are going to stand firm and see, then we have to re-perceive some things. See, if we're going to see, we've got to understand that the way that I'm looking at the stuff that happened to me in my past is the wrong way to look at it. The way I'm looking at the way that they treated me on that job that I was on, and now I have difficulty going into a new space because they treated me bad last time. You have to get a different perspective about that stuff and realize that maybe what God was working something differently in your life at that time. And he needed to use those people to treat you that way in order to propel you to the place where he desires for you to go. And when you can perceive things in that way versus me, oh my, oh, woe is me, then you can start to walk in the things that God is calling you to walk in. And so if we're going to get past our past, we've got to perceive things differently. But the word also means, the word for see can also mean to advise yourself. See, fear is all about how you advise yourself. See, when, when you walk out the doctor's office with the unpromising prognosis, how do you advise yourself? When, when you walk out of the bank with the rejection letter in hand, how do you advise yourself when you walk out the courtroom with the unfavorable judgment? How do you advise yourself? Do, do you advise yourself and, and, and say, well, it's over now. I might as well pack it up. Do, do, do you advise yourself and say, uh, 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 well, I, I guess I'm going to die. They said I've got cancer and now it's over. Or do you walk out of the doctor's office standing firm and seeing the salvation of the Lord. See, as we go through challenges, we've got to advise ourselves and say, as I'm walking out of this doctor's office, I know what the doctor just said, but I know that my God's a healer. When I walk out the doctor's office, I walk out the bank and they give me a rejection lecture. I know that my God's a provider. When I walk outside of the courtroom and I got an unfavorable judgment, you know what? I know that my God is a lawyer in a courtroom and he will, he will proclaim my behalf. He will proclaim on my behalf. And so we got to walk and have a different perspective and advise ourselves differently when it comes to our past. See, Deuteronomy 2 and 7 says that the Lord your God has blessed you. In all the works of your hands, he has watched over you, uh, over your journey through the immense wilderness. For the Lord your God has been with you this past 40 years. Watch this. And you lacked nothing. See, I want us to get our minds out of the Bible as if it's some picture book. 
But I want us to place ourselves in the Bible as if these are real, actual people who lived in history. Why? Because they were. So I want you to imagine being one of these people going through the wilderness, wandering around for 40 long years. You are not thinking that the Lord's hand has been with you. You're not considering that. You're not saying that as I walked around basically in a circle for 40 years that God has been by my side. We're not thinking that. But the passage says, that says that while the Lord has been with you the past 40 years and you lacked nothing. And if we would tell the story as it actually is, even though we went through difficulty and pain, God was still with us. Even though we went through turmoil and trial, we didn't lack anything because God says that I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. See, as we go through life, we got to know that our God is by our side in the past. It's just the past. Watch this. He says, stand firm and see what the Lord's salvation this is beautiful here it says stand firm and see the lord's salvation i'm gonna help you with the hebrew translation here it says stand firm and see the lord's yeshua See, I wish I had some people in here who who knew the scriptures and who knew their Jesus. It says, stand firm and see Yeshua. I I want to help you here. Yeshua is the Hebrew name. And its English spelling is Joshua. The Greek spelling of the word is a transliteration of the Hebrew name. Where the English spelling that's derived from that Greek transliteration is the name Jesus. So what he's saying here in this passage, he's saying that you have to stand firm and see Jesus. See, and I want us to know as we look and we go through life and we go through difficulty, what shifts our perspective, what shifts us from wondering and fear and doubt is our ability to see Jesus in the midst of our circumstances. See, you've got to see Jesus. See, the, the, the names, Joshua and Jesus, because people want to argue, well, well, y'all call him Jesus. And the Bible doesn't, the, 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 there was no J. There was no J in Greek. And people want to argue. Know what you're talking about. You know, these mystery cults that pop up all throughout the inner city, like, and they talking about, you know, y'all, y'all worshiping this and that and that, and they ain't even know Jesus. Know what you're talking about. It's a transliteration. Joshua was there. That's a common name. They were Hebrews. Like, they weren't Greeks. Anyway, but the Joshua and Jesus are essentially the same name. Both are English pronunciations of Hebrew and Greek words, respectively. That makes them synonyms. Synonyms are words that have the same meaning. And in order to get past your past, uh, your fear, you've got to recognize that his name is synonymous with some stuff. 
See, if you're going to get past the present pain that you're in or the past pain that you've been through uh, and you feel like people have abandoned you, you've got to know that his name is synonymous with the one who will be with you all throughout the ages. When you, when you, when you walk through and you say, you know, I got that diagnosis of cancer five years ago, but you've got to walk through and know that Jesus' name is synonymous with healer. You got to know that his name is synonymous with deliverer. You got to know that his name is synonymous with redeemer. You got to know that his name is synonymous with restorer. You got to know that his name is synonymous with finisher. You got to know that his name is synonymous with fulfiller. And you got to know that his name is synonymous with accomplisher. That's why it says, see the Lord's salvation that he's accomplished. See, the word accomplish means to do or to produce, to prepare something or to fashion it. Uh, some past hurts because uh, the word can also mean to press or squeeze. So some past hurts are there to press you into your future. See, some of your past hurts are there to squeeze you into the thing that God's calling you to. Y'all know I love watching nature shows. I'm at it again. I'm back at it. I'm back at it. I was watching this one show, and they were trying to catch the fish. And the man, he had the fish on the line. But it was a big fish. It was one of those Goliath groupers. They're huge. They're like 300 pounds. They're big. Uh, and if you go to Big Fish down uh, on the riverfront, you'll see one up on the thing. So he's there, and he's like, man, the, the fish, he's kind of big, but he's tangled up in the line. And I don't want the line to break because the Goliath grouper has some spikes along his spine. He says, I don't want it to break. So he says, I got to jump in the water in order to untangle the fish so that I can release him and get him back into the boat. He says, but in order for me to get in this water, this water is cold. So I got to get into my wetsuit. So he says, the wetsuit is a little tight, but it's right. So he has to get into the, in order to get into the wetsuit, what does he have to do? He's got to squeeze himself into the suit. And as he squeezed himself into the suit, he was pulling the suit up on his body and he got ready to zip it. And as he zipped it up to the top, after he had squeezed himself in it, he said, I'm ready to get into this water now. And so for some of us, we got to squeeze into some of the things that God is calling us to. We got to squeeze into our wetsuit in order to prepare ourselves to jump into the waters that God has for us so that we can release the things that God is calling us to do. And so I want us to take note and understand that as we go through this and as we walk throughout this life, the past is just the past. And sometimes God uses your past to squeeze you into your future. Some pastors are just there for that. Romans 15 and 4, he says, for whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction. So that we may have hope through what he says, through endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. So as Paul's writing to the Romans here, he's letting him know, he says, listen, that stuff that was in the past, that stuff was for your instruction. It was so that you might have hope, but that you might have hope through endurance. 
Endurance is the ability to navigate your past and to walk forward. Endurance is having the ability to navigate through some difficulty and through some storms in order to get to the place where you go. So in other words, you got to just keep moving. You can't allow the past to hold you back. You got to keep moving. Even if your past has a heavy weight on it and it's like a shackle around your ankle, you got to keep moving in spite of your past. And what happens is in Christ, he sets us free. That means he breaks up that chain that's holding us back in our past. And that past stuff, we don't have to be slaves to it anymore. We don't got to be bound to it anymore. And this is my last idea. It's because the past is past. See, he says here, the Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. The Egyptians, or the Mitzarim, it's first to the land of the Coptics, but the, the word means double straits. A straight is a narrow passageway that leads to a wider body of water. And oftentimes, your past will cause you to see narrow passageways to your future. And see, what happens is that things happen in our past and it shrinks our ability to see what God is doing in the future. And so he says here that the Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. Galatians 4 and 8 says, but in the past, since you did not know God, you were enslaved to the things that by nature were not God's. And so for some of us, our past is filled with following things that were substitute gods. See, our past is filled with following after stuff that had us enslaved that weren't worthy of us being bound to them. And so today, God is saying to us, free yourself from those Egyptians. Free yourself from those shackles that held you bound. Free yourself from them things, excuse me, for those things that tried to lock you in. Don't allow your past to stop you from seeing the wide ocean that's on the other side. See, when God delivers us, he says, he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He told the woman at the well, he says, I'm the living water. You drink from this well, you'll never thirst again. Some of you are thirsty today because you're drinking from dried up springs of your past. And God is saying, don't drink from that stuff anymore. He says, you will never see it again. What I love here is that hidden in the Hebrew text is the literal phrase that you will never see them again forever. When God undoes your past, he undoes it forever. You are not a slave to your past. You are not a slave to the things that held you back and hold you bound in your past. You are free from those things forever. He proclaims that 
we are free forever. That means that we don't have to look back. We don't have to turn back to those things that used to provide us comfort in our past. Because the scripture says that in Christ, we are new creations. We're new. And so we don't have to walk in those past things. We don't have to look back to those things. God has set us free. If anyone is in Christ, you're a new creature. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. The fears we have in the present often lie in the experiences of our past. And as I close, Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, it says, Do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to the things of old. He says, look, I am about to do something new. Even now, it is coming. Then he asked the question, do you see it? Do you see it? Do you see that although your background and your history is filled with brokenness, that God will break generational curses in your life and he will use you as the linchpin for it? Don't don't you realize that although your past is filled with some things that you're not proud of, God will use those things to make you an effective minister of the gospel, to proclaim hope to people who otherwise wouldn't hear hope. Because your story is like their story. Don't you know? Do you see it? God is doing something new. He says, indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness. Rivers in the desert. Some of the dry places in your past, God is saying, rivers are going to flow from that place that place of dryness that place of deadness God's going to bring new life to it so you don't have to be bound to your past you are free so we don't have to fear and we don't have to be a haunted house because well if people knew what I actually did they wouldn't like me anymore. If they knew how I talked to my wife the other day, they wouldn't believe the stuff I'm saying about this Bible anymore. Scripture says that we don't have the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So we don't have to walk in fear. We're not bound to it. It doesn't have to control our lives anymore. Our past does not have to control us. We are free to be who God has created us to be. We just have to get past our past. Somebody say, I passed it. Say it one more time, I passed it. God, bring us past our fear of the past. 
Lord, we pray that you would help us to walk in the newness of life. Lord, you promised us that we, by your Spirit, would be able to walk in newness of life. And there was no asterisk behind it. There was no correction. You can walk in newness of life if you've never done this. There were no conditions on it. Only to believe. So God, we pray today that you would move us past our past and help us to walk in the newness of life where we see you and see you how you lived it out. God, I pray for anyone in this room who's struggling with their past, struggling with the things that they've done, struggling with the the secrets that nobody knows about, the things that they can only confess in the dark. God, you have made us free in Christ Jesus. Only through Jesus can we shed away fear and walk in faith and believe that our God is by our side. So this morning, we surrender ourselves to you, Jesus. We submit our lives to you. Take control of our lives. God, would you extract fear from our hearts and call us into new relationship with you. God, anybody understand my voice that doesn't know you today? God, I pray that they would surrender their lives to you. Surrender the fear of their past. That's designed to grip them and keep them bound. So Lord, be with us today. Purge us with hyssop. Wash us. Make us clean. So that we might be white as snow. In Jesus' name.